Well, good day and welcome to Holding Fast. It's great to have you today. I pray that your anchor is gripped firmly to the Word of God. It's a wonderful comfort to come each day and understand that some things never change. And so we take joy in that today. It's good to welcome you today. Thank you for letting me into your life and sharing some thoughts from the Word of God with you today that will be stabilizing to you both spiritually and emotionally and help keep you on the right track. That's really the intention of this podcast is to serve as an encouragement and uh, as a as an educational situation as well in order to help you to grow deeper in your walk and in your love for the Lord and for His Word. His, His Word is so faithful and I'm so grateful for it. So I have it open here in front of me today. I have my hot cup of coffee, and perhaps you do too, and you can join me as we turn our thoughts in the next few podcasts to a passage of Scripture that I think still needs to be taught today. I think our Lord intended it for it to be taught because it's included in the Word of God. Uh, We find that passage in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes here in the next few podcast sessions, and hopefully you'll be able to um, come come away from it with a a greater understanding and a greater love for the Lord. Matthew chapter 5 this morning, uh, this is actually the beginning of a, the lengthiest sermon that we have recorded for us in the Bible. Uh, In all of the Gospels, this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount uh, is the most involved and most in-depth sermon, Jesus covering a number of different topics, but he begins in chapter 5, uh, and it goes through chapter 6 and chapter 7, and he covers a lot of ground, but it's uh, information that we need to have today. Jesus was always concerned about the multitudes that gathered around him as they came and observed his miracles and his love and his compassion and his teaching. There was something significantly different about the ministry of Jesus that was unlike any other rabbi in the day in which he lived. Uh, And in chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. I don't want to go past that first verse too quickly because it's a verse that reminds us that Jesus was always concerned for the multitudes. Uh, He had tremendous compassion for them. Uh, There were many that were downcast and distressed. There were many that were sick. Many were hungry. Uh, Many had so many different needs in their life. They were physically ill. Uh, And they could have been healthy, but emotionally unstable, or they may have been demon-possessed, or financially poor, or rich, or politically oppressed, or powerful, religiously insignificant, or influential. They could have been intellectually ignorant or educated. Jesus had compassion on all of them thereby laying down a pattern for those who are to be his disciples and his servants to be concerned about everybody. And so everything Jesus said on this occasion in chapter 5, verse 1, makes it sound like it might have just been for his disciples, that when his, he was set, his disciples came unto him. But over in chapter 7, at the end of his message, the Bible says in verse 28 and 29 that when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, 
for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So everything that was said on the occasion of this Sermon on the Mount was actually said for the benefit of the multitudes. It was spoken publicly. People heard it. And what Jesus was starting to do in this is why I want to spend some time on it here in the next few podcasts. And the reason is, is because his intention was to really drive his hearers to a recognition of their sin and therefore their need for a Savior. Um, That's who he was. That's what he came to be. He came to reconcile people with their Creator, with God. And until they believed in him, the demand... Uh, of the sermon could only show them how terribly far they were from meeting God's standards. And so this is a wonderful evangelistic sermon. The sermon as it begins in chapter 5 is really about principles of how to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. How do I get into God's kingdom? These are qualities and characteristics of somebody who is genuinely entering into the kingdom of God. And without these characteristics, you'll never be able to enter the kingdom of God. And so we want to spend some time on that. And we're going to begin with the first one this morning, and we'll work our way through each one. So here we are. Jesus sees the multitudes. He goes up into this mountain. Uh, probably on a side of a mountain so that he would have his voice would have command of the area. The Bible says he sat down. Uh, he delivered the sermon, the greatest preacher that ever lived. And when he concluded, as I already read, the multitudes were amazed at, by, at, uh, at, at his authority. What does that mean? Uh, what it means is that he didn't quote other rabbis or other resources in order to get his authority. He himself spoke uh, with the authority of having been the original source. He spoke on his own authority. He was the one who was the source. That was unheard of among the Jews. And even today, that's unheard of because they're always quoting rabbis instead for their source of truth. Uh, They always get them from recognized sources. So the Sermon on the Mount is a supreme model for this kind of teaching and authoritative uh, instruction. He says, and he begins his sermon in verse 2, and he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Each one of these uh, is a promise of certainty, and it has a spiritual characteristic about it. Uh, The Bible says in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. If you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, if you want to enter into his rulership and his reign, and you want to be under his control, and you want to serve God, the very first attribute that must be true of you is that you must be poor in spirit. Interesting word. It means that right now, today, as you're listening to my voice, your relationship with God begins with recognizing the word poor there means to be a beggar, to be absolutely destitute, to have no resources of your own. The Bible says in verse 3 that the poor in spirit, everything has to begin there. To be spiritual beggars. Uh, that's the that's the principle of Scripture, that if you want to be a part of God's kingdom, you have to be a spiritual beggar. And of course, the promise that, that corresponds to that is that yours is the kingdom of heaven. That's how one gains entry into this. It's how one begins to 
recognize the rulership of God is when you come and you are absolutely aware of your paucity and poverty spiritually, and you have nothing of your own to offer to God. You have no good works that would ever give you a right standing with God. You have no means of being able to appeal to God. The only way that you can ever, ever understand His love and His care for you is to know that you have nothing of your own spiritually. That no matter how hard people try with humanitarian efforts, with belonging to religions, that I have nothing. I have nothing and am nothing spiritually uh, but what I have been given by God. Are you poor in spirit today? Are you a spiritual beggar? I think every day has to begin with that and coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you today. I'm empty. I need you to fill me. I need you to give me what is necessary to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Will you do that today? That's where every day begins. May God help us to approach every day dependent on his resources and nothing of our own. God bless you. Walk with him.